Hi, welcome to another episode. It's the last one in this current series of the Three Worlds Shamanism podcast. And I'm going to talk um, more practically about sort of ancestors and the dead and touch in on psychopomp work and uh, stuff like that in this episode. You know, I often come across people who sort of are quite categorical about what happens to you when you die. And... Uh, I'm not in any way categorical. I guess I guess I kind of go with reincarnation because um, it kind of makes sense and uh, it's also uh, something that's part of kind of a lot of the spiritual traditions that I follow, like Buddhism and whatever. And also because personally for me, I had dreams when I was very little, very little, kind of about the age of four, and they've stayed with me all the time. And I can only explain them in terms of past lives. Uh, because I knew things in these dreams that I didn't discover until I was an adult. About various bits of architecture and whatever. And it just, just, I don't know. I've got absolutely no proof whatsoever. But I'm going to kind of go with that. Um... But in terms of psychopomp work, psychopomp is a, is a Greek word. I don't know exactly what it means, not exact translation, but basically it, it, it means in colloquialism, which is a word I can't say, about kind of helping the dead pass over, being a guide to the dead. And that's a very important part of shamanism. And it's something that is taught very much in core shamanism and it occurs in, in kind of traditional shamanism. And so I thought it would be really good to talk a little bit about that. And uh, I don't think it matters exactly what the mechanism is of kind of, you know, afterlives, reincarnation, whatever. I think it's far too complicated for us to even contemplate in our little 3D heads so I'm not even going to attempt to go there, but I will talk about psychopomp work. So in psychopomp work, in a kind of um, core shamanic way at least, it's not quite so simple in traditional cultures, and traditional cultures tend to do it slightly differently depending on the culture. I mean, every culture has a slightly different view. But in core shamanism, the shaman or the shamanic practitioner or whatever you want to think of as that name, will do a shamanic journey and they will go and meet with the spirit of a person who has recently died with their own guides, with their own spirit helpers, very much part of the team. And they will then escort that dead soul to the land of the dead. In whatever way the land of the dead is seen, is witnessed, is experienced by the practitioner. And it varies between practitioners and, like I say, varies greatly between cultures in traditional culture, you know, traditional shamanism. So that's it in a nutshell, in an incredibly brief nutshell. But there's obviously a lot more to do with it. 
first of all, why is it needed? Because most people die quite happily and trot off to where they're going to go. But sometimes people don't. Sometimes, for whatever reason, it seems like people get stuck. And that is where psychopomp work comes in. Maybe it's because there's been a traumatic accident. Maybe there's a lot of unresolved issues. Different scenarios, different people, different spirits. But psychopomp help is needed sometimes because people don't seem to cross over. So it's not something that you have to do for all people who die. Some people will ask for it if they know about it uh, while they're still alive. Um, and of course, some of you who are experienced in doing shamanic work and maybe are experienced in doing psychopomp work will know quite easily that uh, it's not just the living that ask for it. You will sometimes have dead people come and ask for help. That, that is part of the, the nature of the game. It's an ethical question, too, uh, in terms of is it OK to do it to people? You know, we tend not to do healing to people unless the person has asked for it. And I think with psychopomp work, it is slightly different. If you feel the need, maybe if a news story has touched you greatly, somebody has been murdered or there's been a bad accident or something, and you feel the need to do psychopomp work. I don't see that there's an ethical issue with that so long as you go to your spirit helpers and you ask your spirit helpers if it's okay to do that work and for them to escort you. They must go with you. Psychopomp work is dangerous. I'm going to say that quite categorically, quite straightforwardly. Psychopomp work is dangerous. And so you need to have a degree of skill about it. You need to have a degree of training and you need to have your spirit helpers helping you. So if somebody has died or something has happened and you sort of feel moved to do psychopomp work, maybe because at this time that I'm right, I'm um, recording this, we're doing all the corona stuff. So maybe you feel moved to do psychopomp work for the people who died from coronavirus. That's absolutely fine, I think, so long as you check it out with your spirit helpers and they agree completely and they go with you. OK, so why is it dangerous? What is so potentially dangerous about taking uh, the soul of a dead person to the land of the dead or however you want to think of the land of the dead? OK, well, the main reason is that you are dealing with a place that the living kind of don't go. That's the nature of being dead. There is a separation line between the living and the dead. And so the dangers are that you can suffer soul loss. You can have things happen to you in the land of the dead, which if you are out of your depth, can be dangerous and they include soul loss they include bringing things back which you really wouldn't want to have brought back as hitchhikers shamanism is a dangerous thing in traditional cultures it is well known that a shaman can die during a journey and in the west because of core shamanism and it all kind of getting a bit nicey nicey with the new age movement and all of that i think we tend to forget the brutal truth of it here 
you know, I often will sort of come across people on Facebook that are kind of very, very much in the new age kind of area and, and I'm not doing them down or, or whatever by by saying that but but I quite often will post a little comment about shamanism not being nice shamanism is not nice shamanism is not nice it is not clean it is not safe and so it needs that care and if you've heard my other podcasts you've heard the, the analogy I use of going to the beach and some people kind of walking on the surface of the of the sand and not even getting their feet wet and you know that's pretty safe but if you're going to do psychopomp work you're starting to move out into the deeper water and if you're in the deeper water you can get into trouble so you need skills and you need air miles under your belt shamanic air miles and you need training from humans and you need training from this from the spirits so if you're going to train in psychopomp work i suggest that you find a good teacher that will you know is able to teach you and if you really cannot kind of get a teacher that is able to teach you because of circumstances especially at this time with lockdown and all of that then you need to very much go to the spirits that you trust and get training through them. So there are some basic journeys and basic things that you need to do. First and foremost, you need to go to your most trusted spirit helper and you need to ask them what are the do's and don'ts about doing psychopomp work. First and foremost, you have to say, can I do it? Is it okay for me to do it? Will I be safe? And if they kind of shrug their shoulders a bit and say, yeah, maybe with some training, then you have to say, OK, what do I need to know? What must I never do when I go to the land of the dead? What must I never do when I take a dead person with me to that place? What are the etiquettes? What are the rules? And then you have to stick to them absolutely rigidly, absolutely rigidly, because this is no joke. So you might need to perform specific ceremonies before you set off to do a psychopomp journey. You may need to wear specific pieces of kit, pieces of armour, clothing, ritual clothing, amulets, whatever. There will be certain things and all of these things your spirits will teach you. If you're working within a tradition, then you also go with what the human teachers tell you from that tradition. But very much it will also be fine-tuned by the spirits. So you ask them for the information that you require in order for you to be safe. Now, I'm talking about psychopomp work, work with the dead, very much from a shamanic point of view, but of course there's lots of other ways of doing it too, um, which are not shamanic, but kind of fall more into the animistic, magical traditions. Uh, as a Tibetan Buddhist, I'm familiar, although I don't do it very much at all, but I'm familiar with a practice called Pawo, which is a Tibetan technique of purifying the kind of um, defilements of a soul as soon as they have died so that they can go forward into the next life reincarnation-wise without all of the kind of impediments of baggage that they carry around with them. That's psychopomp work and that's a specific ceremony. If you're interested in that, you can find information about that online. It's something that you can do that is a lot safer than taking a soul 
to the the spirit world because all you're basically doing is just working with taking away the kind of um well the baggage yes the the things that are flapping around their legs and impeding their journey very compassionate action very compassionate thing to do quite a lovely thing to do and it also of course helps the humans that have been left behind if you're doing it for a loved one and we have to look upon this in a psychological way too if you're doing work for a loved one that has died and you are doing acts of compassion acts of ceremony acts of things that are going to help them in their moving forward into the next bit of their existence as souls that helps them but it also helps you because it's part of your severance it's part of your grieving process it's doing compassionate things for them gives you a structure gives you something to do but it also helps you come to terms with the fact that they are dead and we need that as human beings we all suffer grief and psychopomp work is very much to do with that too just as much as it is to do with the spirits so if a family go to a shaman and say you know such and such has died will you do some work for him please or her or whatever then that helps the family just as much as it helps the person that's died. We are all suffering beings. We all need help. And life is a messy business and includes death. So once you've been trained, once you've kind of got a few shamanic air miles under your belt, once you kind of know what you're doing and know the rules and the do's and don'ts in the land of the dead, the first thing you do with any shamanic psychopomp work is go to your spirits and say, does X need my help? And is it okay for me to give it? And if the spirits say no, then you don't do it. And if the spirits say yes, you ask them, what do I need to do? How do I need to approach this? And you listen carefully to what the spirits tell you. And then you do it to the letter, like I said, by the book. Most times it won't be needed, sometimes it will. And that's the taking of soul to the land of the dead. Now I'll, I'll explain to you what it's like for me, because maybe that will give you a bit of a handle on it. When I take a soul to the land of the dead, my journey goes to a place that is guarded by Mahakala, now, as I said in previous podcasts in this series, Mahakala is a wrathful uh, Tibetan or Himalayan, I guess is a better way of putting it, being. He's practiced in Tibetan Buddhism and he's very much part of Nepalese shamanism as well. I was surprised to find him there. He appeared right from the very start of when I started to do psychopomp work, which is well over 20 years ago now. Um, and I'm always doubtful, I'm always kind of sceptical, so I kind of accepted that this was just how it was for me, and I was kind of not exactly making it up, but it was kind of coming from my internal imagery. I do trust totally that the spirits are external to me, but I think that humans colour them by our sort of preconceptions and our, our mind kind of steps in and colours what, what is actually happening. So I accepted that Mahakala was standing there. It was only 
I think last year that I, I was talking to uh, my Nepalese shaman friend Bola and he was talking about how Mahakala is incredibly important in the Nepalese shamanic traditions around psychopomp work uh, and is very much the guardian of the land of the dead in some of their traditions. So, uh, I yeah, I kind of found that quite fascinating and kind of, oh, right, okay, maybe I didn't make it up. Who knows? I don't know. I know nothing. I just kind of go with what is being shown to me by the spirits and trusting it. So anyway, I go to this place with the spirit of the dead person, mostly willingly, sometimes not. Um, that's the dead person, not me. I'm generally fairly willing, but the dead person sometimes isn't. And, uh, and we pass by Mahakala. And um, then I find like a hole in the ground and this hole in the ground is very deep and I can see that there is a river of lava, a river of fire at the bottom of it. And I kind of drop down into the hole and there is a very narrow bridge, a very, very, very narrow bridge across this great chasm of fire. And I walk across it and then at the other side there are like catacombs, there are like tunnels and it's generally there that I leave the souls of the dead because for me how it comes for me is that and don't laugh this is just for me this is my cosmology if you like and again I didn't make it up it just kind of it just happened at the first time and it's always been the same I get greeted by first world war nurses and these female figures female spirits escort the the dead soul into the catacombs and that's my job done i deliver the dead souls to the catacombs and to the nurses there i have no idea why they appear as first world war nurses they just do and they always have and they always do it was on the very first time as when I trained in all of this that they appeared. And yeah, uh, uh, we all see it differently. We all do it differently. You know, there are commonalities. There are the deep structures of what we do, but we all flesh it out with the surface structures in different ways. So for me, it's a hole in the ground, a little thin bridge, very thin bridge over a chasm of fire, and then handing the dead person to First World War nurses, and then that's it, job done. I come back out, I would go past Mahakala again, and I get on with the rest of my day. Everybody will have it differently. So that's the easy bit, in a way. Taking souls to the land of the dead, or at least to the gateway of the land of the dead, is pretty easy. And in many ways it's pretty safe, because you're not going into the land of the dead. But sometimes you actually do have to go into the land of the dead. And I'll explain why. Sometimes a lost soul will be there. A lost soul may be taken or may be given by the person who loses it to somebody who has died. Okay, so let's think. Um, somebody very precious to you dies, and you feel lost because they've gone. And 
because you feel lost, and that is kind of symbolic language, you are lost. Part of you has gone with that person to the land of the dead. And part of the healing work that may be done is a soul retrieval from the land of the dead. So you go to the land of the dead and you find the soul of the living person and you bring it back and do a soul retrieval. Now, you know, I'm sure, at least I hope, that you have to be really careful when you bring soul parts back to do a soul retrieval. You imagine the possible ramifications of bringing back something from the land of the dead that is not the person's soul, something masquerading as the person's soul. So there's danger there for the healing client and there's danger for you there as the shamanic practitioner. So you really have to, at that stage, trust your spirits 110% and you have to know the rules, the etiquettes, the ways that the spirits of the dead may trick you, all of that stuff. This is advanced work. So you may have to go to the land of the dead and actually walk there, go past the gates. And it may be that the land of the dead has a spirit that the dead has actually captured and we're getting into the whole realm of then having to steal back that living spirit or we may have to kind of fight the dead spirit to release it a shaman will negotiate trick or fight spirits in order to make a physical change in this physical reality that is part of the definition of a shaman a shaman will negotiate with trick or fight spirits as needed in order to make physical changes in this world so you always will try and negotiate first because that's the peaceful way and if negotiation won't work and you know like maybe you need to trade something uh, and if that doesn't work, then maybe you have to trick the spirits to get the soul part back. And if that doesn't work, maybe you have to be aggressive and fight them. And you always have to do this in accordance with your own spirit helpers and what they allow and what they know of you and will allow you to do. Because not everybody is cut out for that kind of work. We all have our specialities. So it may not be that you're a fighter and that's absolutely fine. Or it may be that you're far too direct to be able to trick. That's absolutely fine. We all have our skills. So you do have to go to the land of the dead sometimes in shamanic work to retrieve souls. Now the other thing that is often asked is that somebody will come along because they're really grieving and they're, they're kind of wanting to have contact with the loved one. And they may ask you to do psychopomp work for that. My general rule of thumb is I don't bother the dead unless I need to. I think, you know, that that is about healing the living. You know, if somebody is feeling grieved and and is struggling because their loved one has died, then the problem is with them, not with the person that's died. And so, unless there's a very good reason, I do not bother the dead. I think it's much more important to work with the living. So I wouldn't go and ask great aunt Flo where she'd put the 
China or whatever, you know, or does she have a message for her niece? Or it, it's just it's just not something that I do. I'm I always am a bit uncomfortable about the whole kind of spiritualist church type things that you know auntie flo comes and gives a message through the the medium um yeah it's not what i do at all i i feel quite uncomfortable about that the dead need to be left alone but of course sometimes the living kind of need to talk to the dead as part of their own healing okay so for instance you had a really bad argument with your partner and you you were you know you left on bad terms and then that person died and you're left with the oh god I was such a shit to them before they died and it's like you know your heart is heavy and and it kind of comes almost into the circle of psychopomp work but I don't think it does quite to work with the living person to help them talk to the dead and say look I'm sorry I was such a horrible person to you and you know and I love you and you know it kind of get some sort of resolution work and if that was needed then I would set up a ceremony where I kind of called the spirit of the dead to that kind of ceremony so that they could be addressed by the living and I would rather do that fairly soon after the person had died um rather than it being left for a long time but sometimes of course it has to be a longer time i have no idea i'm going to be honest i have no idea if the spirit of the dead arrives but i set up the space and i give the person a chance to say what they need to say and if that is done in a ceremonial manner it can be extraordinarily powerful healing therapy and, and yeah, maybe the spirits have heard it too. I very often, very often will do it actually with a pipe ceremony. Uh, I do do a sacred pipe with people. I, I pass the pipe to them and I encourage them to make their prayers to the person who has died over the sacred pipe. So it's done in a very highly charged, very sacred sort of way. But it's not quite sort of psychopomp work in the way of going to the land of the dead and talking to the spirits and whatever you know I wouldn't I wouldn't go and deliver a message you know I wouldn't sort of let um Fred sort of say you know oh, I, I I miss Debbie please go and tell her I love her that that I wouldn't do now of course the dead who have not passed over who have not gone to the land of the dead in whatever form you wish to think of the land of the dead, as I keep saying, can cause trouble too. Um, they can hang around the living and need to be banished. There needs to be exorcisms. Sometimes they can kind of come into a living person and overshadow them, take them over. And again, we'll need sort of exorcism work. Sometimes people need protection from the, the spirits of the dead. I don't always take the dead to the land of the dead in that kind of circumstances if I'm doing that kind of work because it's just not always appropriate but you sometimes have to protect the living from the influence of the dead and that too comes into psychopomp work every bit of shamanic work that you will ever do will be different will be unique because every 
story, every circumstance will be different and you will need to be on your toes. There's a thing from psychotherapy that the most flexible person controls the situation. And that is entirely true within shamanism too. The shaman has to be the most flexible person in the situation. They have to be creative. They have to think on their feet and they have to deal with whatever is presented to them in the most appropriate way within the moment. So you cannot do things rigidly by the rules. Yes, okay, I said earlier in this podcast, you need to follow the rules rigidly. Those are the spirit guidelines. They're the etiquette of the spirit worlds. But when you're dealing with a case, you don't know what you're going to get. You do not know what the next scenario is going to be. And you have to be flexible. You cannot kind of go to the land of the dead with a sort of checklist of 10 things that you have to do. Um, and expect it to be the same every time because it won't be and that's the same with any shamanic healing or any shamanic work and with life in general so that's just the nature of the beast we live in an ever-changing world so a shaman has to be flexible and this has been a very much a whistle-stop tour of the land of the dead and psychopomp work But it's much more complicated, of course, than anything that I've said here. And you have to get the air miles under your belt. You have to get the ability to know how to deal with situations and get yourself out of situations. And some of those situations will be scary, especially if you do psychopomp work. It's scary stuff sometimes. Sometimes it's heartfully, beautifully tearful and poignant I have cried my eyes out doing psychopomp work and and I've been absolutely terrified too. It is varied every time. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. If you do want to do it and it's beautiful work and it's important work, please get training. Please find a reputable teacher and please Get a lot of air miles under your belts and learn to have a good relationship with your spirit helpers because they are they are the business, they are the guys. And without them, we're nothing. We cannot do it. No spirits, no shaman. So I want to thank you very much for listening. And I hope that you've enjoyed these last 10 podcasts. And uh, if maybe you're new to all of my podcasts, then go back to the very first ones because I've done this is the third series. And the first series had about 30 in. So there's about 50 of them or something thereabouts to listen to if if you're a kind of late comer to the party. Um, yeah, if you want to contact me, it's nick at sacredhoop.org. If you would like to subscribe to the magazine that I edit, Sacred Hoop magazine, it's sacredhoop.org forward slash offer.html uh, and that will give you a, a lower cost subscription. Come and join the Facebook Three World Shamanism group if you're on Facebook. Come and hang out. There's quite a few thousand people in there and there's some really good discussions and some very knowledgeable people who post very interesting topics. So come and join in. It, it's it's a good place to be. Um, 
If you'd like to make a donation, these podcasts cost a little bit to host and, and things like that. I have to pay a fee for the hosting. So any donations are gratefully received and you can make a PayPal donation to donation at sacredhoop.org. And uh, yeah, my Three Worlds website, which is sort of it started off as the home for this podcast, but then it became a gallery for selling uh, ritual objects. And uh, it's a good place, almost like a kind of digital museum to uh, to look at ritual objects, even if you don't want to buy them. So that's threeworlds.co.uk. Number three, not world, not word three. Oh, I can't talk. It's nearly lunchtime at the end of me doing this. My stomach is saying, feed me, feed me. And I know there's some pizza downstairs waiting for me in the kitchen. So on that happy note, I'm going to go and liberate the spirit of my pizza and wish you lots and lots of blessings. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to be back with a fourth series not too far away in the future. Bye bye.